Good afternoon, dear listeners. You are tuned into CJSR FM 88.5, and this is Moving Radio. I'm your host, Christian Zip, and join me, please, won't you, for the next one half hour as we take a look at local Canadian and independent cinema. Or I guess more accurately this week, we take a look at Dead Fest. <clears throat> yep, it's the uh, the final weekend, I guess. It's only really one weekend. It started on Wednesday, but it's going tonight tomorrow and it all wraps up on sunday the 20th but for you this evening on moving radio we got a preview of one of the films you're going to be able to check out tonight that's right we talked to director co-producer and co-writer of the film bounty killer henry sane and let me tell you ladies and gentlemen it is sure to be a humongous hit at this year's festival it's going to give people at Dead Fest everything they're looking for. And you also get two stars of the film that are going to be there tonight at the screening. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. On top of that, I speak with Josh Johnson. He is the director behind the documentary film Rewind This, which is all about the history of VHS, VHS, I guess culture now we could call it, uh, the dawn of video technology and how it brought cinema into our homes. And on top of that, uh, how it allowed much, much smaller filmmakers to make low budget films and have them completely accessible across this planet. That film, Rewind This, screens at 1 p.m. on Saturday afternoon. So it's a couple of very good detailed interviews from some great filmmakers. One, Henry Sane, who is representing Bounty Killer tonight at Dead Fest, and Josh Johnson representing Rewind This. It's an all Dead Fest edition of this week's Moving Radio with me, your host, Christian Zip. I'm stealing a stagecoach from a bunch of savages with a wanted criminal moonlighting as a bounty killer who has the hots for a murderous, deranged gypsy. Dreams do come true, kid. I never stopped believing. In the not-too-distant future, the world powers were brought to their knees by big business. To avenge the corporation's reckless destruction, a new breed of mercenary hunters spawned. I spent enough time behind a desk, so I became the first bounty killer. Come on from behind the bar, bounty killer! The people do love their bounty killers. So is it true? Is that your mug on the warrant? It's complicated. You guys gonna keep smooching? Or do you wanna go shoot some people? Joining me on the phone today is uh, one of the directors of a film that's gonna be featured at this year's Dead Fest 2013. Of course, it all takes place down at the Garno Cinema. And you know where that is. That's where the Metro's at. The name of the film is Bounty Killer. And on the phone today is Henry Sane. He is co-writer, he is director, and also co-producer, and probably a thousand of the credits he deserves to get for this film. Henry, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Oh, very excited. I have to tell you, when the first sizzle reel came out, because I, I was at one of the Dead Fest screenings for, for this film specifically and some other ones came up, uh, this one went over like gangbusters. Like this was uh, the trailer that put together everything that these people probably desperately wanted, and, and you gave it to them <laughs> in a very succinct trailer. Uh, so congratulations to you for definitely piquing oh. the interest of people there. Well, 
Well, thanks. It's all you know. It's all just the stuff we love. So hopefully, other other people love it too. All right, Henry. I know that the the title of the film itself seems uh, blunt and obvious, but let's get into the details of it. The <laughs> film is called Bounty Killer, and it screens this Friday. That's right, as part of Dead Fest at nine thirty tonight. Tell us about Bounty Killer. Well, it's set in a uh, a post apocalyptic future where the corporations have actually literally destroyed the world through corporate wars. They actually battle each other and just actually destroy the entire planet. So to avenge the, the death of our world, uh, this council is born. They issue bounty warrants for all of the surviving uh, corporate criminals. And it's called bounty killer, like you said bluntly, because they, they're not to bring them in there to just kill them and then bring in the dead body. Talk to us a little bit about your own journey uh, through doing some uh, co-writing on the script and maybe where you guys came up with the original idea for Bounty Killer and what your inspiration was. We joked about this a long time ago, back back about when the Enron scandals were going on. My cousin Jason, who uh, was one of the other writers, on the, the main writer on the script, and he was just obsessed with how they were getting away with everything. They were just so shady and they were just ruining people's lives with with all of their just insane business and he was like we got to make a movie about about going to get these guys we have to go get them somebody has to do something about this at the very same time we were having a, we were both having a couple beers i was flipping through an old like it was a 1970s early 80s sci-fi poster book and there were all these great you know post-apocalyptic movies and i'm like we're gonna do it it's gonna be like mad max it's gonna be this and that and like and it was just because we were both had a couple beers it was like there's the idea it's kind of a 70s 80s movie about hunting white-collar criminals in the future. And uh, that's that's where the original idea came. And then as we, we kind of put it away, and then over the years, it kept resurfacing. We were like, oh, let's, let's just do this. It'd be fun. So what I originally planned on doing was storyboarding out the movie. To, I decided just to animate uh, all the storyboards. So originally it was a cartoon. And as we did the cartoon, the, the, then the actual stock market crashed in 2008. And then uh, the housing bubble was soon to come after that. So it was like all this stuff was actually happening for real. And we're like, wow, this is crazy. So interest built around the cartoon. And then we did a short, a company called Kickstart, loved the cartoon and wanted to do a short of the movie to pitch to do the movie. And so after we did the short, people loved it, loved the idea. And again, because it's kind of fresh in people's minds, they greenlit the movie. And here we are. We're speaking on the phone today with Henry Sane. He is the director, co-writer, and co-producer of the film Bounty Killer, screened tonight as part of Dead Fest at 9.30. You know, Sorry we're gonna, for that long story. That's, <laughs> like, no, that's a great story. Are you kidding? journey. <laughs> we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail, too. Um, I yeah. know that you are going to be in Toronto uh, for a screening of Bounty Killer all the way across right. the country, but you've got some friends who are going to be here with the actual film Bounty Killer tonight. The actors people actually want to see, as opposed to me. Uh, Christian Petrie, who plays Mary Death, and Barrick Hardley, who is Jack Lamont, will be there. It's always nice when we get uh, you know some guests in town, and especially to see yeah. a film like that. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to get uh, moderately mobbed because we're all very polite, right? <laughs> you know, you're, you're extremely polite. We, I love. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually all going to move to Canada after the. Oh, after fa- this fantastic! I have some room in my basement if you guys want to come hang out for a little bit. <laughs> That's the, the creepiest invite ever. I've got some room in my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Don't uh, worry. Yes, we will do. I'll, I'll invite them over, of course. Yeah, I don't want you to be frightened by the windows painted black. That's right, not, of not. Yeah, it's cool. 
Uh, why don't you tell us? I, I love this story that you know it kind of grew from this small idea just shared between friends um, to finding all these steps to becoming a feature for yourselves. Do you feel that taking a concept like that that has had a little bit of time to gestate and kind of grow in different ways did that work better for you than other projects you've had before, uh, or did you find you were like, man, I would love just to like get the idea out there, do the script, and I can turn this thing around in two years? It's both. There's the problem with it is, is you come up with so many ideas that you're all of a sudden have a $400 million movie <laughs> on your hands. So when you get out there, you have to like kind of whittle, whittle it down to what you can actually make. The good thing is because we had, we, we had done a little animated cartoon, we'd done a short, and through all that, I've done, I, had, I got to do lots of concept art. So what it helped everybody on set, because we had a very fast shoot, it was 18 days, there was just an immediate like shorthand with people, because I could say, here's, here's the drawing of what we're trying to do. Here is the scene which we kind of shot before. Here's something we did in the cartoon. You know, it was just, so we were able to move very quickly because of all the time we'd spent doing other things with it. Um, that was the good part about it. So it was, it was just very easy to say, here's what Mary Death looks like. Here's what they look like. Here's what's the scene. Here's how it's going to work. Here's who your character is. Here's a backstory for you so you can know exactly where you came from. So that stuff was, was great to have. You know, working within this world, you have a lot of latitude, right? Because you can do all these kind of fantastic, amazing things and kind of go over the top because, I mean, part of that is the style that you're trying to create. Um, maybe talk to us about, like, was there ever limitations for yourself that you thought, nah, this, we're jumping the shark here? Or did you kind of find <laughs> that this world was fantastic because you were like, there are no limits? There were no limits. Like I said, if we had done our $400 million version with all of our ideas, we definitely were, we'd be jumping the shark left and right. But no, and that's, that's what's part of the, like you said, what's part of the fun of, of being in this world is you can do anything you want. You can, that because we've, we've kind of created an alternate future, we've created uh, all of our own characters, all of our own history, we can, there's no limits to storytelling, to what kind of action you want to do, to what kind of people you want to have show up. To everything. So there is there is a great freedom of just being let loose to have as much fun as you can. So really, at the end of the day, it's just time and, and money are, are your only constraints. But your ideas, you know, if you can get them out, go for it. We're speaking on the phone today with Henry Sane, and we're discussing the film. It's called Bounty Killer. It's playing as part of Dead Fest, and it's screening tonight at the Metro Cinema. Uh, probably one of the other things that gets you a lot of interest, and I think it's almost a necessity sometimes for a smaller film like this to get it, you know, out into the public, is uh, you got to attach some names is what you got to do. And you've got some great people in this film. Uh, Christiana Lokian, who, uh, you know, most people associate directly with Terminator uh, 3, right? And uh, right. also, of course, Gary Busey, uh, for many different reasons. I'm sure he was interesting to work with. And, you know, rapper Eve, Alexa Vega. So maybe talk to us a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the people you procured to get into the film and uh, and what it was like working with, uh, you know, some people that have a little bit of name, a little bit of reputation. It was great because, uh, again, having a, a little cartoon, a little short to show people, um, we were able to show uh, you know, Gary and Beverly D'Angelo's in our movie too, and Kevin McNally. They were able to see, like, you know, we're, we're very small, we're insanely independent, the budget is ridiculously low, but please come join us. You're going to have a, you know, it's going to be an incredible ride. And so that was how we, we got to bring them all in. Um, but it was just incredible for, for me to just be on the phone with Gary Busey saying, hey, here's, here's who you are, here's your character, um, come on out, and then just, you know, uh, you know somebody you've grown up, worshiping, you know, growing up with Point Break and Silver Bullet and Lethal Weapon, and then all of a sudden he's on set, 
you know, telling the craziest stories of all time. And, you know, it was just, it was just wild. So it was wild, literally wild because Gary Busey is insane and wild and fun. And then it was wild just as an experience of like, well, I'm out here with all these actors I never thought I could work with. Do you find that at times too, that, um, it's great to be able to cast someone like that because you feel like I'm going to get this persona with them and, uh, and they can really help enhance the character. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, what's great about like, they, they have something already they're bringing before you, you even get to set and get to work with them. They're, they're already bringing just their own talents or their own personalities. They just really live it up, you know, bring, bring the act, the character to life off the page. Talk to us a little bit about uh, Mary Death and where you got the idea for that character from, and uh, maybe what was one of your most favorite characters to write for. She's probably one of the, the most fun because you can. She is just a great character because she is not just your hardcore, steely, badass chick. I mean, she is that, but she's also she's very vulnerable. She's funny. She's charismatic. She has a lot of heart. So it was just great to be able to work with Jason on writing her because it was just like, let's let's go places with this character. Let's go up and down and stuff that you don't get to normally do in these movies because you know it is a lot of fun and action and gore. But it's like, oh, let's take her a little deeper if we can. She was definitely our, one of our favorite characters to write and work with. And she came from just our love of of everything. She's like our female Mad Max. She's our female Han Solo. We were just like, let's let's just take all of our favorite action heroes and, and put her into this put put into this one girl and, and go with it. Now casting wise, did you kinda did you discover her? Did you see her before? And and maybe what was it about Christian that uh that helped inspire you? We um we cast her in the short film and she came in and uh she came in wearing a little Tomb Raider outfit and she actually brought a real knife to to the audition and she said uh, normally, you know, you, you slate your name. You say, I'm Christian Petrie. I'm here for this character. But she said, I'm Christian Petrie. I am Mary Death. And pretty much threatened us. <laughs> we said, okay, you got the part. After, you know, we, we auditioned a bunch of, of women. And then when we got home, we watched all the tapes. And there was just something about Christian that just just caught our attention. She just has that, like we said, you can just see in her face, she's got this intensity. But there's also a vulnerability behind her eyes that we just we just loved. and so. There was just no question for us that, that she was our girl. In working in this kind of realm as well, that you know you, you're playing on a lot of different kind of maybe some of them uh, sci-fi, some of it kind of uh, '70s grindhouse cinema. Do you ever feel like you have to be careful about uh, the boundaries that you step outside of? That you have to stay within one of those realms, or do you feel like you can play in all those sandboxes? I feel like for this one, we, we, we were able to play in all the same box. We were definitely definitely paying homage to all the 70s movies, like you were saying before, Road Warrior, the Russ Meyer movies, even movies like Ice Pirates, movies like definitely like Death Race 2000. And all those movies, what was great about those movies is they didn't they had zero boundaries to, to hold on to. So we were lucky in that fact that we didn't, we didn't, we felt we didn't have any rules or anyone, anything to you have to concern ourselves with about that, those elements. It was just the story, rules of our story. We're speaking on the phone today with Henry Sane. Uh, I think I fell a little bit in love with him because he just referenced Ice Pirates. But uh, <laughs> the film we're talking about is his. It's Bounty Killer, and uh, it's going to be screened as part of Dead Fest tonight at 9.30. Make sure you get down to the Metro Cinema and check it out. 
Uh, they'll also have guests. The lovely Christian Petrie will be there. And sorry, who else did you mention was going to be there tonight? Uh, Barrick Ar- Hardly. He's our comic relief in the movie. He plays Jack Lamont, the gun caddy. There you go. Uh, both, I'm sure, lovely. But I'm sure many yeah. of the gentlemen will be gravitating and probably some ladies to Christian. They they will. She definitely, uh, exactly, gravitates to both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My wife is in love with Christian somehow. It's crazy. See? <laughs> That's what happens when you make good casting choice. Uh, we're at Facebook.com slash Bounty Killer Movie is our Facebook page, and that is essentially our main web page. So you can find out all about the DVD releases, links to interviews, links to um, reviews, links to the comic book. The film looks incredibly exciting. I think this is uh, one of those perfect pictures for uh, a festival like Dead Fest is, uh, and a great Friday night film, and it's going to be incredibly exciting to have a couple of uh, of you know of the actors in the house as well as part of it. The film is Bounty Killer. Our guest has been Henry Sane. He is the director, co-writer, co-producer of the film. Uh, he will unfortunately not be in town, but don't worry, his heart is here with Bounty I, and my, Killer. My body will be in Canada. That's just, right. Just, You'll be in the country. Just, I'll just I'll just be you know a little further east. <laughs> exactly, Henry. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. We want to wish you the best of luck with this film uh, beyond in the future. If you love it or if you missed it, I suggest that you uh, hammer up iTunes and check it out for yourself and uh, get yourself a copy of it at some point too. The Blu-ray you said is coming out soon, right? It comes out October 29th. There you and go. I believe I'm pretty sure it'll be up. Yeah, it should be Canada, U.S., and most of the rest of the world. Fantastic. Henry, thank you so much. Best of luck in the future. When video cassettes first came in, we, we jumped in. We loved it. We thought it was great. There were video stores opening up all over the world that needed movies. You could all of a sudden be introduced to all of this, this stuff that never would have been available, never would have shown on TV, never would have been in your movie theater. Production price tag, you know, Terminator, $80 million, Puppet Master, $400,000. Not an even playing field, but on the video store, they were all on the same shelf. They were all in the same size boxes. Joining me on the phone today on Moving Radio is director Josh Johnson. Uh, his film is going to be playing as part of Dead Fest 2013. That's right. It starts on the 16th, but you can catch Rewind This on Saturday, October 19th at 1 p.m. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I have to tell you, uh, we were talking about this before, and and I said how I had seen this film uh, a few months ago, and been fortunate enough to see it at South by Southwest. Uh, a really good, great crowd pleaser, and because you know I'm in that age range, you know, like early forty, it really spoke to me because I felt like you know that was that kind of revolution that I was able to at least be aware of and, and kind of go along for that ride. So uh, thank you for the memories. <laughs> but bef- before we get into me too much reminiscing about my own video past, uh, why don't we talk about the documentary Rewind This? And for anybody that hasn't heard about it, maybe tell them uh, what it's all about. Yeah, it's a, a documentary about the home video revolution. And it documents you know, the history of that development and what it meant but then it also carries it through to the present day and, you know, sees the ripples of that impact, you know, when it initially started and also kind of asks questions about where the future of video might be going. And in doing that, you know, our hope is that we could, you know, create this portrait that really celebrates uh, how important this development was, you know, for a, an entire generation of filmgoers and filmmakers but also, uh, you know, provide a lot of information for people that maybe weren't there or don't know what this is all about. 
Maybe let's talk a little bit about what you're, you found out and how you were going to make the, the evolution or the beginnings of VHS and, and home video uh, interesting. How did you plan on attacking that? Well, the initial uh, decision that we made is to make something that wasn't going to be an insider's club sort of documentary, that it wouldn't just be the voices of people that were you know within this industry um, reporting facts from on the other side of uh, enemy lines, so to speak. You know, we wanted to make something that was really universal and really uh, inviting and welcoming because the biggest impact of the home video revolution is that it uh, created access. It made the entire world of cinema history available to everybody um, at a local store in their neighborhood. And that's something that, you know, was totally unprecedented and that now we feel very much entitled to. And that's really the greatest impact is that, you know, you could be somebody in a small town that didn't have a repertory cinema and you could, you know, be living in a blue-collar household but you still had access to uh, this wealth of uh, cinematic history. So we wanted, uh, we knew for sure, to make something that was going to have a range of perspectives, people that were involved in the industry, people that were, uh, you know, modern-day videotape collectors, uh, people that uh, pioneered technology, you know, people that are now kind of involved in remix culture, try to cover you know, every possible perspective and you know, really just look for voices that were passionate and entertaining that could you know, relay this information to the audience in a way that would be fun and funny. We're speaking on the phone today with Josh Johnson. He's the director of the film Rewind This, a documentary screening as part of Dead Fest, and it's going to be on Saturday, October 19th at 1 p.m. Maybe talk to us what, about what you felt uh, romantic about VHS beyond just it being that first time that you could take things home. Well, I think there's something incredibly appealing about the handmade or you know personal touch feeling that you know comes with the video aesthetic. When you look at something on videotape, whether it's shot on video or being presented to you on video, it has a particular look. And enough time has passed now, and technology has uh, developed enough, that that actually kind of represents a particular period of time. You know, when you see uh, video clips in a film now, it's almost the same as seeing Super 8 footage uh, at one point was, where it automatically suggested something of the past. So there's a kind of nostalgia associated with just the look and the quality that video has. So I think for a lot of people, you know, of a certain age, you know, seeing something on video takes them back to a particular time, and that's something that's really powerful. The other thing that was, you know, really a big draw to me about uh, the VHS period in particular is this system of marketing that doesn't really exist anymore. Now we're very much, you know, uh, in a world where we sell films based on, uh, you know, the actors' faces and, you know, uh, a particular studio sometimes, you know, like Pixar or certain companies like that have a kind of name brand that is a big part of what they're selling. But in the early days of video, which was largely driven by independent studios and small companies, they had to sell a concept, and they would do that by creating, you know, this hand-painted box art that would sell so much more than the films could actually deliver on. But that kind of uh, presentation of uh, creating, you know, sparking the imagination of the audience that was wandering the aisles of the video store, that's something also that, you know, I really miss, and that really resonates with me, because it really, as a child created uh, such a huge, huge uh, experience for me, being able to imagine what was contained within all of those boxes. 
You mentioned uh, this, I guess, opportunity that was created for smaller studios to be able to make kind of micro-budget films and be able to release them much more easily than they ever could have if they were ever trying to, you know, get on a bunch of screens across America. Uh, you mentioned some of those companies in the film uh, without me trying to tell the story. Maybe talk to us about some of them, whether it's like from Troma to Canon to, you know, what, what these companies did uh, on small scales and what they maybe achieved. What initially happened uh, with the video rental system is uh, that one company, uh, Magnetic Video, sort of started it by licensing some Hollywood product to put on tape. And then it took a while for any other Hollywood studio to sort of catch on to the fact that this was something that could be successful for them. So the people that did get into the business were the independents. And so you had people like Charles Band, who started Media Entertainment and then went on to do Media and Wizard and Full Moon and Lightning Video and all of these other brands. And then you also had people like Lloyd Kaufman and Troma and, uh, you know, other sort of companies like that. And what they really achieved was leveling the playing field because they were being featured on the same shelves with these other bigger companies and being treated more or less equally. They were able to legitimize low-budget filmmaking in a way that it never had been before. Even though, you know, some small-budget films would get uh, releases into theaters, they would play a particular type of theater they wouldn't be, you know, at the biggest theater in town, or they would be uh, kind of dumped into the drive-in circuit here in the States. But with the video development and how eagerly and excitedly small companies got involved, you really did have this completely even playing field. And so you would have a consumer that would go into a store, and they might take two tapes home. You know, one would be from the smallest studio in America, and the other would be a gigantic Hollywood film. And there really wasn't any distinction made between those two because there was no system in place to delineate which was which. So people were making decisions based purely on what seemed interesting versus what was being most aggressively uh, marketed to them by the richest companies. We're speaking on the phone today with Josh Johnson. We're discussing the film Rewind This. Josh you know, probably the the bane of any documentarian's existence is the fact that you have to shoot ten times as much footage, uh, or at least you end up doing that as you actually get to put on the screen. Um, where did you start to make choices about about you know the story you had to tell uh, about the history of VHS and uh, and this kind of like smaller community that has kind of grown out of the death of VHS or at least the supposed death of VHS? making those decisions uh, too strongly as we were shooting. There were certain things that we did rule out because we knew that there wouldn't be time to cover them, but we focused on a much broader range of topics than we knew we would be able to ultimately deliver in the finished film. But without gathering you know, a variety of interviews on different subjects, we weren't really certain what we were going to have uh, the best material focusing on. So we actually passed a pretty wide net as we were filming and tried to cover as many topics as we possibly could and it was really once we were sitting down to edit the film that we made the decisions on what you know would stay and what would have to go. That was a six-month process, roughly, where you know we went through more than 100 hours of footage uh, to whittle it down to what you have in the feature film. And the first thing that we did was put together a long assembly of the film that was several hours long, but that featured the best comments on all the topics that we wanted to discuss. And then we just fully, you know, but surely eliminated things and got it down to a feature running time. And that was relatively painless for a while. Well, while we're on that topic, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about when people are going to be able to get it? Where can they get it, I guess, online, where they'd be able to order? 
Well, uh, the announcement will definitely be made uh, in the next couple months, but uh, we've already delivered everything for that release, and it's going to be coming out in a few months. There will be a DVD release that will have all the bonus features and an audio commentary and all of those sorts of things. But there will also be a limited run of uh, videotapes for people that want to, you know, have the film as a collectible DHS. So you can uh, follow along on our website or Twitter. Both are uh, Rewind This Movie, so rewindthismovie.com or at Rewind This Movie. And there should be an announcement hopefully within the next month or so. The online distribution is handled by a company called Film Buff. The film is called Rewind This. We've been speaking today to director Josh Johnson, and it's going to be screening as part of Dead Fest. That's right. It starts, uh, well, this film, it starts on the 16th, the festival itself, but uh, this film is going to be screening on Saturday, October 19th from 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, it's a fantastic film. I can tell you firsthand, uh, if you trust my opinion whatsoever, people, uh, you really should make sure you check it out. Well, that about wraps it up for this week's edition of Moving Radio. I'll mention to you again that you want to be checking out Saturday night's Q&A with Bob Cat Goldthwaite, also the makers of Pinup Dolls on Ice. Totally worthwhile being there Saturday night. Hey, tonight, Friday night, you got Bloodsport, and Sunday, you got all kinds of excitement with another entire day devoted to genre cinema from your friends at Dead Fest. Well, that about wraps it up for this week's edition. Uh, I will remind that if you want to check out old shows of Moving Radio, we have some Dead Fest content from last week. You can find us on iTunes, or you can also find us on a SoundCloud. And all you got to do is just type in Google Moving Radio, SoundCloud, or iTunes, and that'll work for you. If you want to get yourself hooked up with Twitter, uh, you can find me at Moving Radio. And also on Instagram for lots of interesting movie-style pics or movie-ish pics. You can find me at Moving Radio there as well. I'm going to be taking a two-week hiatus after this week's show, a well-deserved break after cranking out about two months' worth of shows week after week. And uh, I thank you for listening. I thank you once again to all the donors at FunDrive. And we will see you in three weeks' time with an original Moving Radio. But ladies and gentlemen, do not turn that dial because coming up next on CJSR is the finest in feminist radio. It's Adam and Eve. Eve.